It's intern John. Football is back, and this commander season, there are huge prizes to be won at Safeway. Enter Safeway's Huddle Up and Win Sweepstakes. You could win up to $10,000 cash or autograph commander's merchandise. All you have to do is shop the participating items throughout the store and enter your codes from your receipt at SafewayHuddleUpAndWin.com. Safeway makes sure commander's fans have all their game day needs to tailgate or host like a pro. Stop in and discover why football is better at Safeway, the official supermarket of the Washington Commanders. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. Welcome to Season 4 of Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. This podcast is not just information, but impartation and activation. We believe that every conversation will encourage, equip, and empower you to live the daily supernatural life. Subscribe to this podcast and then share every episode with your friends and family and be activated. And welcome to another adventure in the Holy Spirit. I'm your host, Jared Lasky. I think you've heard me say this hundreds of times because we're on 220 some odd episodes of Adventures in the Spirit that I'm having the most fun in my life doing these podcasts, capturing people's stories. So thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, whether that's Apple or Spotify, Google Podcasts or Charisma, Player FM or any of those places. Thank you so very much for being part of that. But I want to encourage you guys to text your favorite episodes to your friends and family. I have a free PDF available for you because if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there needs to be some sort of evidence. The Bible shows biblical evidence or evidences to being filled with the Spirit, to being baptized with the Spirit. So I have a free PDF available for you in the podcast description. Do you want the power of God to be evident in your life? Do you need to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit? Are you curious about the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues? And do you want it in your life? My wife and I have a free e-course available for you called the Baptism with the Holy Spirit, where you will learn the biblical truth and spiritual reality of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And you'll hear true stories of how people receive the promised gift. The videos in this e-course will expand your knowledge and understanding of the Holy Spirit baptism. You'll be drawn closer in relationship with the Holy Spirit and receive prayer and activation into the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You can also go through it with a small group of friends, a church class, or a discipleship group. You could download the accompanying PDF for each lesson and apply the principles to your life and take the action steps. Your faith will grow as you read the scriptures, watch the videos, and participate in the activation. The gift is for you. The gift is for today. The gift is to empower your spiritual life. We know that you will finish this course with the divine empowerment that comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So start your journey today. Go to charismacourses.com collections and click on Jared Lasky and enroll in the baptism of the Holy Spirit e-course. But guys, I'm excited for today's very special guest. I have Ken Fish of orbisministries.org. He's the author of this incredible book called On the Road, with the Holy Spirit, a modern-day diary of signs and wonders. He is a native of Los Angeles. He graduated with honors from Princeton University with a degree in history and philosophy of religion, and he's concentrated on the writings of the early church fathers, 
and he has a Master of Divinity degree as well as a Master's of Business Administration, and he's been mentored in things by John Wimber, who is a personal hero of mine. So please help me welcome Ken Fish to Adventures in the Spirit. Welcome, Ken. Thank you. It's great to be on the show. Well, it's an honor. It's a pleasure. Uh, when I was reading your bio, so I've read your book, On the Road with the Holy Spirit, love it. And uh, as I was reading it, it reminded me so much of Mariah Woodworth Eder's diaries and also John G. Lake, some of his writings and, and things like that. And then la later I see some of the promotional stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, there was an inspiration behind this. Then you're also like a, a hero of mine uh, because you were connected with John Wimber and and um, I've got some of his books, Power Evangelism, on my shelf. I, I bring that out every couple of years or so. But Ken, can you share your story as to um, kind of how the Holy Spirit led you in the direction of signs and wonders? Well, it actually goes back to when I was a child. Um, my father died when I was four, and my mother, this is, uh, there's no nice way to say that she couldn't really afford to keep me. And so she sent me off to her parents for about half a year every year up until I reached high school. And um, my grandparents were devout Wesleyan Methodists who lived in Michigan. That doesn't quite make me bi-coastal, but they lived by the shores of Lake Michigan, not right on the beach, but close by. So in a sense, it was bi-coastal. And, uh, and anyway, they were devout Wesleyan Methodists. My grandmother was known throughout uh, Western Michigan specifically for her ability to teach the Bible. They weren't particularly charismatics. I don't think they were opposed as much as they just didn't think we things went on very much anymore. But we did have a few family stories of unusual things that, that we would consider to be signs of wonders today. Um, and she would tell me those stories, and I was always fascinated by those. In addition, of course, we, we read the Bible. Um, sounds almost crazy to the modern ear. But every day after we had our big meal at noon, uh, we would read the Bible together, my grandpa, my grandma, and me. And then we would talk about the Bible at table together. And that was how I got acquainted with the scriptures. And I can remember, you know, various times, you know, whatever we were reading, David and Goliath, Elijah and fire coming from heaven, or Jesus raising the dead like Lazarus or the widow of Nain's son, whatever. Um, these stories really stuck with me. And a lot of times when I was, when it was time for me to go to bed, especially when I was a younger boy, you know, I would say, grandma or grandpa, tell me, tell me a bedtime story. And it was always a Bible story. And of course, the stuff that animates young boys are these things that are dramatic and miraculous. So I just grew up with a hunger for all of it. Um, roll the clock forward. By the time I was in university, I was, I was very hungry for the supernatural. I was in an environment where, at least in my circle of friends in the community of faith in my church, we we acknowledged these things, but we never really saw it. And then, of course, at the university itself, I was getting extreme pushback. Basically, the Bible's not true. Uh, these miracles are all fake. They're just myths, legends. And I was just crying out to God, as we say, um, I probably wouldn't have quite used that language at that period in my life, but that's what I was doing. And I was actually spending about uh, two hours a day in prayer asking the Lord, where are these things that are in the Bible? Why does nobody I know live and operate in all this? And through a series of divine appointments, um, 
I got introduced to John Wimber. And all of that started when a woman in my church walked up to me one day with a bag of cassette tapes. Now, this is an ancient technology, maybe unknown to our modern era. Oh, I remember cassette tapes. It's yeah. not unknown to me. Okay. So anyway, she had a bag of you know cassette tapes. She said, you know, I've been listening to these, and I was praying this morning, and I thought that you might need them. So here you go. And I started listening to him, and it was John Wimber. And I thought, Lord, if this man is telling the truth, I have to have this. Nothing else matters to me beyond finding this. And that started a process that led to my meeting John Wimber at all several months later. And ultimately being asked to join him on staff. And then I worked uh, together with him for about 11 years. Wow, that's exciting. But you were also in business for a while. <clears throat> I'm not sure uh, the, the timeline and everything about serving under John Wember uh, and then business, but then you were launched into doing what you're doing now, having adventures that's with the Holy Spirit. And your book, I mean, that's the name of my podcast, Adventures in the Spirit, so I just had to throw that in there. But your yep. book is On the Road with the Holy Spirit. So can you share some of that, uh, that, that story and how you're now traveling the world with adventures on the road with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, well, so that's its own, you know, the, the, every one of these could be its own rabbit trail that we go down and I'm trying to keep it succinct. Uh, but um, I, notwithstanding my intense hunger for the supernatural and to encounter the God of the Bible as described in the Bible, notwithstanding all that, I also had a desire to go to business. So after I'd worked with John for a period of time, I launched into a full-fledged business career that uh, spanned over 20 years. If you count all the early years, it'd be 25. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a short amount of time. Uh, but going back to when I was at university in the fall of my sophomore year, I had a three-day open vision. And uh, what I mean by that is for three days, I had a vision that whether I was asleep or whether I was awake, everywhere I looked, everything I saw, um, this vision was in front of me. And I knew that from that, that, I mean, there was absolutely zero ambiguity about it, that the Lord wanted me to go to seminary. I didn't even know what a seminary was, but I, the word seminary was there in these burning letters. And after three days, the vision lifted. And so... You know, as Paul says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Um, I eventually made my way to Fuller Seminary while I was working for John Wimber. As it worked out, he was uh, adjunct faculty there. And I got my seminary degree. Um, this was not anything that was useful in business, maybe, but it, it certainly gave me a grounding in biblical languages, history, and other things. I've built on that foundation since. And I'm currently working on a doctorate. Um, wow. so anyway, the point in that story is that I had a supernatural push, uh, when I was still only 19 years old, um, that I, I couldn't even really describe what it was that had happened. I didn't know anyone who had an experience like this. I didn't know how to talk about it very well. All I could say is, well, I saw these fiery letters and they didn't go away. And everywhere I looked, they were superimposed in front of my eyes. 
but that was really the initial impetus toward it. And, you know, after that, I, I started doing ministry. Of course, I was working for John. Um, I got invitations to go and speak here and there. Uh, but I had this dual life where I was also working in business. So that wasn't the only thing I did. And then uh, back about 14 years ago now, uh, the Lord, again, divine appointment, orchestrated a series of events. And out of the blue, this guy calls me and he asks me a bunch of questions. And he goes, hey, I looked you up on LinkedIn. Are you the, the Ken Fish who used to work for John Wimber? And I said, I am. And out of that came a series of conversations and meetings where I was asked to speak in Australia. And that kind of set the stage for when, as I like to say humorously, the Lord put his boot in my butt and uh, pushed me out of my business career. And I've been doing this essentially full time since then. In the earliest years of it, I did some consulting to augment ministry. And um, these days I'm doing this full time and uh, doing considerably less consulting. Well, you've got this book out on the road with the Holy Spirit. That's right. Modern Day Diary of Signs and Wonders. So these are uh, incredible stories. I mean, I was reading one um, just the other day about... Uh, so aboriginal priest following you guys and just some i'm not gonna say maybe i'll say fantastic situations but yeah. these were supernatural situations now i don't read uh, accounts like this and doubt because i was in india years ago as an 18 year old missionary kid well missionary not missionary kid i was a kid anyway <laughs> i was in ywam on, on a mission, and we had this astral projection visiting uh, where we were, uh, Hindu priest or whatever, visiting uh, the ladies' dorms and stuff like that, and we had to deal with it. We had to engage in warfare, but can you share uh, some stories that, actually, can you share the ab aborigine story real quick? Yeah, that one's the opening story in the book, and, you know, we had a lot of internal debate on um, my editor as well as uh, the editorial staff at Charisma published the book, whether that one should be included, because there was some concern that this might be a bridge too far for many people. It would stretch them too much. Uh, but anyway, what happened was we went out to an area in uh, New South Wales, a rural area of New South Wales, which is one of the bigger states of Australia. Um, it's the uh, eastern state that contains the city of Sydney, but... But don't don't think that the city of Sydney is all there is to New South Wales. It's a very large geography. Um, so anyway, we'd gone to this area out near an Aboriginal homeland, and the uh, the nearest town to where we were is called Moiree or Moiree M O R E E. If people want to look it up on a map. So anyway, we went out there with uh, some Australian guys that I'd met in my journeys, and we were going to go do some camping and whatnot. And uh, anyway, in the, this one Australian friend of mine, he and I were sharing a tent, and we had our you know cot set up on opposite sides of the tent, but it was a fairly large tent, pretty roomy, and uh, you know we were by the campfire one night and we went to sleep, and in the middle of the night, 
um, I woke up and there was a hawk hovering in the tent. And it was kind of a dusty coat color, maybe a light brown. And I, I, you know, I kind of shook myself awake, like, what's that doing here? Especially because when we'd gone to bed, I distinctly remembered lifting the tent flap closed. Now, we didn't lock it, but it was decisively closed. And here is this bird hovering, you know, with its wings flapping in midair. And I'm thinking, what on earth is that? So anyway, I, I knew that this was out of the norm. And I said, you know, we come in peace, leave. And in the morning, I said to my friend with whom I was sharing this tent, hey, um, there, was a, there was a hawk in our tent last night. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, he's out there. And I said, who's out there? And he said, the elder. I said, the elder? He said, yes, he's the guardian of these lands. And in Aboriginal culture, they have this role of a, a shaman, you called it a priest, um, a holy man, if you want to say it that way. Now, this is not Christian religion, just to be clear. <laughs> right. Uh, but but they, they are the custodians of the land. And in fact, there's a whole movement in Australia right now uh, acknowledging what they call country and the traditional custodians of the land that has really overtaken this nation in the years since that event happened. So he said, he's out there, I can feel him, and he's been watching us. So um, I was like, wow. And then he, he leans down, bends over, whatever, next to his cot, and he picks up a feather about, I want to make sure you see my finger, uh, you know, roughly this long, maybe a little longer, maybe more like that. And uh, he goes, was it this color? And I said, yes. And he goes, ah, yes. We said, that'll be a shape checker. Mm. Now this, again, this stretches people, I'm aware. Uh, I don't mean to blow people out of the water. But there is within, um, within sociological and anthropological circles, there is some recognition by scholars that there are some people who seem to engage in the practice of changing what they seem to be, whether by species or by shape. And so... Anyway, I go out for a morning walk, and there was a large clearing very close to where we had our tent, which was inside a tree line. And uh, I'm walking along the edge of this opening, and, and I'd say this clearing would have been a couple hundred acres, so a pretty good sized opening in the trees. And standing right there in the middle of it was a man, uh, thin, aged, I wouldn't know, be able to tell you his exact age, but definitely not a young man. Um, and he's holding what appears to be a spear, and he's, he's as we're leaning on it, and he's standing on only one foot, and he has the other foot uh, crooked and bent so that the sole of the foot that's not on the ground is effectively resting against the knee of the leg that is contact balance the spear. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and we're, I don't know, 150 yards apart, something like that. And, uh, and I, I, I remembered what my friend had said. My first encounter was something like this, but I will say when I was in university, I had read a book about this type of thing, um, written by a very, very well-regarded academic sound world renowned anthropologist named Mircea Eliade, 
he was a Romanian uh, anthropologist, and he wrote a book called Shamanism, Archaic Techniques of Ecstasy. And I was captivated by that book because the stuff he was describing as a secular, not somebody who was a man of faith, he was describing things that in many ways sounded like at least some of the stuff, the Bible. And so I was kind of like, wow, okay, what, what is this? And I'm looking at this guy, I'm thinking about the hawk in the tent the night before, thinking about my friend and the feather that was lying next to this pot. And I just said, I'm coming to peace. And in front of my eye, and again, I don't want people to think I've lost my mind or that I've lied, uh, he changed into the very hawk that I had seen. Well, I couldn't be sure it was the same hawk, but it looked identical, same color, same size. He changes into a hawk. The spear, by the way, hits the ground. And uh, he flies toward me and kind of swoops right by me and then kind of circles my head a couple times and then goes up in a tree and lands in the tree. And I'm thinking, okay, this is something different. And it's in broad daylight. This is in the dark of the night. So anyway, um, I kind of walk along the edge of this clearing. And as I head back, uh, he flies, he's, he's following me. And as I head back to our camp, he then flies back out in the middle of the field and turns back into human or human shape. And I got back to camp and I said to my friend and the others that were with us, they were in other tents. I said, I just had the most amazing experience. I'm not really sure what to do with it. And so I described what I just said to you. And, uh, and my one friend said, uh, yeah, the elder, he's been watching us. He wants to know what we're doing here. He wants to know why we're on this land. He's a guardian of the land. And so that really became an introduction to a whole dimension of the supernatural that I had, I'd read about in a, in again, in an academically credible and respected source, but I'd never seen or experienced anything like it. I'm not saying that that sort of thing is my everyday, but I've had a few others along that those lines. And since then I've had many other supernatural experiences with Lord. That wasn't the introductory one though. I've had, I've had, before that ever happened, I had various things that started to draw me into the world of the supernatural. Some would say the pathetic. And um, I don't know. I guess what, I, what I've learned out of all that is that the stories in the Bible are to be taken seriously because God doesn't lie. His word is true. And when we speak of events like this, as strange as they may seem, um, there are, as, as Gandalf says in The Lord of the Rings, there are older and fouler things than orcs in the deep places of the earth. And so there, there are many things of the supernatural that I, particularly in Western lands like the United States, Europe, Australia, <laughs> I think the forces of modernity and the worldview that we carry effectively exclude us from encountering things like this. But they do go on, and if you... If you deal with people who are perhaps pra practicing witchcraft or new age spirituality, those aren't the same, by the way, um, you'll find that people in those types of circles, they have experiences more or less like this from time to time. And so the fact that people may not have seen this, they may not have experienced it, 
doesn't mean it isn't true. It just means they haven't seen it or experienced it. And the way I like to describe that is pick a country you have not been to. I think it could be any country of the world. Um, let's say something like, I don't know, the DRC, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, or uh, I don't know, Nepal. Let's say you've never been to a country like that. Well, the fact that you haven't been there doesn't mean it doesn't exist. The fact that you haven't experienced their food or their culture doesn't mean that they aren't real. It just means you haven't been there. And I think there are many experiences in God, with God, that the Lord would like us to have for his own purposes. Uh, it might be to train and teach us something. Uh, it might be that we go as missionaries, as spokesmen for the Lord, for those society, and we see what they're living in. You described somebody who astral uh, transported or astral traveled into your world when you were a teenager in India. So maybe you're there as a, as a missionary. Uh, there could be many different reasons happen but i think part of the uh part of what happens with the way the western mind works we'd say if i haven't seen it myself or i can't reproduce it on demand then it's not true at all that's that's simply dismissive and ultimately quite frightful because well that we are the measure of truth well when people say i'll believe it when i see it or i only believe it if i see it well do they believe in wi-fi yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's there, right? I mean, it's invisible. But I mean, I saw a meme about this the other day, but um Kent, I will be I'll be honest. I'll I want to have you back because I know we're barely scratching the surface on <laughs> I I want to talk about the prophetic. I want to talk about, you know, your supernatural encounter when you were 19 and details. Can you just share one incredible Thing that you've seen the Holy Spirit do maybe recently or that is written about in your book uh, that, that we're discussing today on the road with the Holy Spirit, a diary of signs and wonders. Uh, maybe something that stands out to you of what you've seen the Lord do to see someone encounter the Lord, become intimate with the Lord. And then I'd like to ask you to do one other thing, and that is to pray for people to see the baptism of the Spirit to speak in tongues. Yeah, well, since that's where we want to land this podcast, uh, let's talk about a story that happened in the far west of Australia. Uh, I don't remember the year in which it happened, but around a decade ago, maybe maybe it was eight or nine years, uh, but I was a little south of Perth. Well, out there, it's a very big country. You, you, Most people don't understand this or never been told it, but you could drop all of Europe into Western Australia and have room left over. So it's a very, very, very big area. But anyway, Perth is the city that is the major city of the entire state of Western Australia, or WA as the locals call it. And um, so we were in WA, and we'd gone south of Perth about two and a half hours. And they had a, they had a horse racing area, but don't think of the Kentucky Derby or the Preakness Stakes or the Belmont. Don't think of Santa Anita in Southern California. This is an area where um, they race horses by connecting them to what amount to chariots, except they're called buggies. You know, they're not they're not middle military. But if you've ever seen Ben Hur and you see the chariot race, there's a track there, and they put the horses pulling these buggies on that track. And there's bleachers, uh, you know, kind of rise up, so it's a bit of an amphitheater, and people watch the the horses race. And they also have a clubhouse. And if you are of a mind to maybe eat a meal while you're watching the races, 
uh, you can eat in the clubhouse. And so there'd be plate windows and that look out on this area. So we had secured this uh, track for purposes of holding the meetings that I was leading. And um, it was winter time. I remember that because there was a, there was a hard rain falling and the storm was coming in off the Indian Ocean. Uh, Perth, of course, faces west towards uh, the Indian Ocean. And, um, and the entire coastline of the west of Australia faces the Indian Ocean. So here we are. We've got a few hundred people in this meeting. And while I'm speaking, this gust of wind goes through the room. And I stopped and I said to the, the, the conference organizer, who was right down in the front, I said, would you mind just going and checking the windows and the doors? I want to make sure that there's no draft in here. And part of why I did that is because I always want things to be solid and real. I mean, they can be strange, but but I don't I don't want to mistake something that isn't really happening for supernatural activity. And so the individual went and checked everything and came back and said, all the doors are shut and locked, and the uh, and the windows are shut and locked. Doors weren't locked, they but they were pulled closed because people might need to come in and out. And I said, did anyone come in or go out? No, no, nothing like that. Okay. So here we are, and just then another gust of wind goes through the room. Well, I'm thinking, suddenly there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind uh, in the book of Acts. And all of a sudden, this much stronger gust goes through the room. And suddenly, as it were, like tongues of fire appeared over people's heads. And when we talk about that phenomenon, most of the pictures that we've seen, paintings, postcards, whatever iconography we have, we tend to think of it being, you know, like a candle flame, maybe, you know, so big, and it's resting on somebody's head like that. But these flames were approximately the same height as the people's bodies. And so if you've been out to eat recently in many of the outdoor eating areas, and this is true in Australia as well as the United States, you know, they have these things that generally have a, a, a base that kind of slopes up like that, and then there's a glass tube that rises, and there's a flame that shoots all the way up the tube. Of course, that's all powered by uh, propane. It's not supernatural. But anyway, these are very common, and with that, I think we've become a little more accustomed to the idea of big flames. Something like that was what I saw over the heads of many of the people in the room, and then all of a sudden, boom, it just hit, and all these people started speaking in tongues, who had never spoken in tongues. And as I say, there were several hundred in the room. And just as all this is happening in that meeting, there was a man sitting right down in the front row, very close to where the organizer was sitting, but a few seats down on this front row. And he was a miner. Um, so he worked in the mines of Australia. And they have a phenomenon here in this country called FIFO, uh, which for an accountant means one thing, but uh, here FIFO means fly in, fly out. So you might live in a place like Perth or similar, but you work in the mines in a very remote area, in this case of Western Australia, and you get on a plane and you fly in, and then you're bunked out there for maybe a week or two while you do your job, and then you fly home, you fly out, FIFO, fly in, fly out. You get back home, and now you're home for two or three weeks with your family, and then you fly in again, and you work some more. So he was a FIFO miner. And he'd been injured in the mines, and he was paralyzed and couldn't walk. And so his wife had brought him with their three children 
And all of a sudden, this man just gets right up out of his seat. Uh, no one even prayed for him. And he grabs his children's hands, and they begin doing something that looks like ring around the rosy. They're kind of doing a circle-type dance, holding hands together and jumping up and down. And the wife just bursts into tears because her husband has been crippled, unable to work. And, of course, there's hardship in that, emotional and financial. And, um, and he was healed. And this all happened just spontaneously and miraculously. And that's just an example of some of the kinds of things that I've seen on the road with the Holy Spirit. So um, I'm going to pray for anyone who's listening and who or might listen to the, the rebroadcast of this uh, to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Well, let me tell you, when you're south of Perth, Australia, you are pretty much at the ends of the earth, and I've seen the hand of God move even in such a distant place, and you need that power to uh, to carry out the mission that you've been given and the work of Jesus in the world today. So um, wherever you are, hold out your hands, close your eyes. Uh, you'll hear my voice, but you don't really need to be watching the video feed. And now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would release your Holy Spirit as you did at Pentecost. I ask that there would be a release of power and impartation, and that those who are coming under the power of God would experience the physical, tangible presence of the Lord. Lord, if there's fire over their heads, let them feel the heat of that fire, as so many have, and say, my gosh, this is so hot, I can't stand it. And Lord, as it says in the book of Acts, that when they received the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. And so I say to you in the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit and now speak in tongues. Prophesy by the Spirit of the Lord. Let the words that God gives you come out of your mouth. Let them shape and change the world around you. Become bearers of God's Word and God's presence in the name of Jesus. And with this, let the power of God overtake your bodies let him let him knock you to the ground if this is what is his pleasure and delight so that people might look at you and say, this one is drunk. And you'll say, no, I am not drunk. It's only whatever time it is, nine o'clock in the morning, and you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now receive that and let the bolts of God's power move through your body that you would be empowered and charged and raised up to be a servant of the Lord wherever you may be, whether in your own Jerusalem, your own Judea, your own Samaria, or even to the ends of the world. And may the Lord take you on an adventure on the road with the Holy Spirit to places you could not have dreamed of, and may you see things you could have never imagined. As it says in Ephesians 3.20, far beyond anything we can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, they can uh, get in touch with us at my website, uh, www.orbisministries.org. Orbis is spelled O-R-B-I-S, orbisministries.org, not .com, .org. And uh, so that's one way to, to connect with us. We have a, a mailbox uh, function there. Uh, you can buy the book through our website, and we'll ship to you, or... You can get it at the usual places, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, etc. Um, so there are multiple channels and venues where you can get uh, get engaged with our book. And I've had a lot of people telling me that as they're reading the book, there's something in their own faith that's being stirred. 
and they are having themselves encounters that they had not been having. I think mainly because they're being activated in faith, just reading this and going, wow, this is real. This is like the life I could have. I want that too. Thank you so much for listening to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky, a podcast that activates you to live the supernatural life. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and share it with your friends. Leave a five-star rate and review, which helps us reach more people with the love and power of the Holy Spirit and partner with us at firebornministries.com. And may you live your best spirit-empowered life and have your own adventures in the Holy Spirit. The is it morning yet deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Get any sized iced coffee for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And sweeten the deal when you pair it with a baked apple or pumpkin and creme pie. After all, why wait to treat yourself? Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba.